see that happening. And one story that always kind of captures my imagination. The streets lost culture. <laughs> and you're listening to Kerning Cultures. Kerning Cultures. I'm Dana Balut, and this is Kerning Cultures. يرجى من حضرات ركاب رحلة رقم واحد اثنان ثلاثة والمتوجهة إلى لندن هيثرو. Our story today starts at an airport in Jordan. More specifically, in a back room where Mu'min Suetat has been brought by a group of airport security guards. Uh, my plane about to go and, and then I'm in an investigation room. And he's standing in the middle of five big luggage. They're all full of cassette. Mu'min is a Palestinian music collector. He's an actor and a playwright. And at the time, he was traveling with 2,000 cassettes packed in five suitcases. This will all makes sense a little later. And when airport security asked him what I think is a pretty fair question, why was he traveling with thousands of cassettes stuffed into his luggage? And could he please open them up so they could check? Mu'min had no choice but to say yes. And then they asked me to take them all out. And then I did take them all out. All the cassettes are open everywhere. And then the five policemen around me in Jordan and, and the airport looking. Who, who still listen to this guy? Who's that? And, you know, they're naming the name of the cassette that I have, you know. <laughs> that was a very surreal scene. Like me in the middle of the airport with the speakers uh, announcing like the plane leaving to London. And then the police talking to me, who's that cassette? What, have you listened to this one? Why, do you, why are you having this one with you? Is people still listening to cassette? Are you sure you have no drugs inside them? They interrogated Mu'min for four hours until they finally gave up. And they let him go. And yeah, and then I, I left, I arrived with those cassettes. Everything was okay. I have to pay a lot of money, obviously, uh, because the... I have extra luggage, they were very heavy, and all of this. The thing is, what was on those cassettes was never meant to make it out of Palestine. More than 35 years ago, the Israeli army had tried to make sure no one ever heard them again. Today, a story of what happened to those tapes, and why Mu'min made it his personal mission to bring the music back to us. Our story today comes from producer Nadine Shakir. Here's Nadine. Mu'min was traveling to Palestine when the pandemic hit. With everything on lockdown, he was stuck in his hometown of Jenin, unable to go back to the UK where he worked and lived. In that time, I was like, just, I don't know what to do. Mu'min works in theater. He's also a musician and dabbles in music collection. And sometimes he directs his own films. In fact, he was with a German crew filming a documentary when it was cut short because of the pandemic. Dead bored, he remembers his uncle's neighbor, who used to own a cassette shop. So I went to my uncle, and then I asked him if he could um, introduce me to his neighbor. His uncle lives in Janine refugee camp in the West Bank. And he said, yeah, sure. And then he just shouted out loud, 
across the street because you know in the campus the streets are so small and so narrow like it's a very condensed it's like a two kilometer square with 20,000 people and uh, so he just shouted across the street you know he's like Tarek, you know and then and then the guy just opened the door the window and then he was like hey Abid, and the guy answering back from across the camp was called Tarek. back in the day he owned Tarek cassettes a record label and cassette shop that's long since gone out of business. And he just came down in a minute and then we start having a chat, we smoke a cigarette together, blah, blah, blah. By maybe half an hour later, my uncle disappeared and then me and him in the middle of the street in the camp talking about this. And then he just called his son to bring the car keys and then to drive us to the shop. And then suddenly we dri- driven down to the shop. It's two floor storage, basically, uh, shop full of cassettes, archival, with label on them, from which year, which genre, which country, and all of this. And then I went upstairs, and then I started filming as soon as I was walking upstairs. It was cassette everywhere, on the floor, and the shelf, everywhere. And all of those cassettes, were, they were an archival field-recorded cassette that he did himself from the 70s. Tarek would often take a microphone to all sorts of events, not really knowing why, but feeling like it was important. And he recorded all kinds of stuff. Wedding music on on demonstration, Palestinian demonstration, Palestinian revolutionary band. They were coming and playing and festival in Jenin and universities and interviews with freedom fighters and as well as like a large, large collection of Palestinian Bedouin music, which is my family music and all of this. And he was, he recorded himself, you know. So I find all of these things and then there was a shelf, like maybe about roughly about five, six hundred cassettes. They written on it the first Intifada. And then there I was like, oh, wow, like flipping one cassette one by one and then seeing all of this name, Al-Hudud, Al-Bayadir, Al-Ashukha, Al-Arba'a, Al-Thumud, Sabreen, Al-Auda, all of those name band that I never heard of. Starting listening, listening to this stuff, and like every morning waking up, listening, listening. So it was eight months, you know, it was a lockdown, it was a long time. I never heard this music before in my life. This is something to do with my heritage and culture I haven't heard before, I haven't seen. And I, I got really fascinated about it, and then I was like, I know what, I'm gonna leave everything, I'm just gonna take those stuff. What Momin had discovered in Tarek's shop were 12,000 cassette tapes and recordings that have been stacked away and untouched for almost two decades, the entire time Tarek's shop had been shuttered. Roughly half of them were tapes recorded in the 70s until the 90s, some during the first Palestinian Intifada. He struck a deal with Tarek and bought the entire lot. Then he took some of the tapes back to London, 
where he started going through them at his own pace. By that time, I was also wanted to go back to London. So I started to get ready to leave, basically. And, um, and then I went, I brought uh, luggage, maybe five or six of them, because they had a lot of cassettes. And, and I'm not going to leave any cassette behind, like, no way. Three months after getting back to the UK, he picked up this bright yellow cassette tape. It was plain and had no artwork on it, just a dirty sticker. And scribbled in blue pen is the word al-intifada in Arabic. He played the first track on the tape, a song called I Am From Jerusalem. It was disco and it was evolutionary in the same time. It was like singing that he is from Jerusalem. And what he's facing in Jerusalem in a very fast tempo disco. Uh, and toward the very, very, very end, like really very end, which is, was a lo- like a long cut and there was nothing happening. And I was like, oh, this is maybe it's finished. That's it. And I was just waiting there for like almost a minute and there was nothing happening. And then suddenly in the very, very end, it was uh, Riyad Awad did the shout out basically, you know, for the, for the band. Those songs was written and composed by Riyad Awad. Uh, some of the songs was written by Mahmoud Darwish and by Hanan Awad. Before this, Momin didn't know who had performed these songs. So this shout-out, buried at the end of one of the recordings, was the first time hearing the artist's name, Riyad Awad. This is the time when I left the studio and started going for a long walk and, and making a long phone call with the, with the band. Of all the people named in the credits, including the renowned writer Mahmoud Darwish, only one person was still alive or accessible. And as a sudden, I have this call from Mu'min. He said, are you Hanan? What is the relation between you and Riyadh? This is Hanan Awad. She's many things, but mainly a poet and a writer, and the sister of Riyadh Awad. I told Mu'min, you are doing what I am trying to do. And thank you. I said, you saved me because I was looking for the right person to have this project. And, um, and we start talking. And immediately she said, like, listen, I was seeing those cassettes every day for the last 30 years and not knowing what I want to do with those cassettes. And um, I got in touch with a few people that at least they could digitize it for me so I could hear it again. And she said, like, this is like, at least, at least I want to hear it again one more time. Then Hanan began to tell him the full story of how the album came to be. We'll be back with that after the break. Exactly what the Israeli people enjoy democracy, freedom, and independence. 
1987, the First Intifada was in full swing in Palestine. An uprising in which so far more than 70 Palestinians have died and many hundreds more have been injured. Protesting Israeli occupation and oppression. The Israeli government now being formed as promised to crush the uprising. The Intifada touched every Palestinian, including musicians like Riyadh. When the First Intifada broke out in 1987, the first things Riyadh did, he went to his room and he set it up uh, a studio and he's starting composing and writing songs. He's an electric engineer and he have managed to hand make some of the equipment that was recorded this tape. After 12, he comes home and come to his machines, you know, to the uh, equipments of music and so on. Then he writes. Whenever he finishes a song, he comes to me and then we read it and see how it fits to the Intifada. Most of his uh, words uh, are really human, very real, and very nice images and metaphoric. You can feel the land, you can feel the refugee camps, you can feel the scream of the mother, you can feel the scream of the child, you can feel the identity. He touched all these and make a path, where are we going at the end? You can feel that through his uh, songs. It is a story, a complete and comprehensive story of the Intifada. A week into the Intifada, Riyadh was so swept up by the uprising that he decided to gather his family. That included Hanan, who would contribute some writing, and his two other sisters, Alia and Neriman. They would become the backup chorus singers. Together, they recorded this 11-song album. And Riyadh then single-handedly distributed it. And in one week after... He printed a 3,000 tape in his room he, because he have a duplication uh, machine where he can print tape in his room. He recorded the whole tape in the first week of the first Antifada. He was day and night just in his room after they finished recording, just him printing, 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 putting this sticker labeled writing on a handwriting called Al-Antifada and going down to, to Al-Shuhada Street in the old city of Jerusalem and just distributing this cassette to, uh, to shops, not only like cassette shops, but also other shops. What Riyadh was doing was sort of creating a soundtrack to a revolution. Copying these tapes and handing them out to shops was the only way to get the music out there. So they put it in their cassette player and they will play it. And, uh, you know, like uh, the famous track was in that time, she told me it's called uh, Intifada. And, you know, one day I went to Jerusalem, to the, to the main street of Jerusalem, Salah Street. And there was his music shop there, and the songs of my brother, and all the street listened to it. And in that time, you know, uh, the, you know, the young people, they gathered. 
they did close the street and they don't want to allow the police uh, cars to come. And they listen to the music and stand up, you know, uh, saying, Palestine, Palestine, long live Palestine. I was there. Then as a sudden, the soldier moved from the other side and they came and they uh, entered the shop and confiscate all the cassettes. When it was confiscated, he made more copies uh, after that. The Israeli forces kept confiscating the tapes wherever they could find them. And then one day, they eventually arrested Riyadh. And he was imprisoned for a few months, and he was really tortured. Riyadh spent several months in jail where he was held without charge, and the Israeli police confiscated all 3,000 of his cassettes. The vast majority of the cassettes remain in the Israeli military archives to this day. One possible way Riyadh's tape has survived was by someone copying it and ripping off the artwork, if it had any, so it can pass unseen at Israeli checkpoints and travel to other cities into the hands of more people. Another version is that someone like Torit could have just made a copy or kept a copy in his shop. But until the moment Mu'min had found the Intifada album, no archivist he asked had heard about it or known about Riyadh at all. Anyway, after Riyadh was released, he made another album with another band, but that was it. And then he started a music school for children in Palestine. So he was teaching kids uh, in the early 80s, uh, late 70s in Jerusalem and in, in refugee camps around the West Bank, uh, oud and uh, piano and guitar. And then sadly, the last things I have learned about the tragic way he passed away. He got a car accident and, you know, we lost him. It was a disaster for the family. In fact. This was in, two, in, in 2005. When I lost Riyadh, I lost too much things in this world, you know. I don't feel, I don't know, I feel the world has changed. It was a very difficult experience for all the family, see. My whole perspective uh, completely have changed uh, on, on what I wanted to do, you know, like in this project. It became completely from uh, just listening to them, just collecting music to, to more responsibility of, I need to share this music, otherwise nobody gonna do. Uh, it should be reissued. It wasn't just a yellow tape I'm just listening to by myself in my studio in London. It was like all of this massive dimensional story behind it that driven me so much to continue and to establish, obviously go and establish a label specifically highlighting Palestinian music and create a home for Palestinian vintage music, you know, where we're, you know, like giving a new life for it now. 35 years after Yad recorded the album, Hanan hopes her brother's timeless music finally finds a new place in the world. Oh, you know, you, you, don't, you don't believe if I tell you that in every two, three days, especially after midnight, when I come to my soul and, you know, imagine and remember, I put it. I put the cassette every day. He is deep in my heart and all the heart of the family. And this uh, cassette, when it appears 
maybe it, it give me some kind with the sadness, some kind of happiness that there's something realized and achieved. Mu'min thought long and hard about how to release the Intifada album, but in the end he decided to establish his own label, where he thought the music would be most appreciated, and called it the Majaz Project. The Majaz Project would serve as an online platform dedicated to restoring and preserving Palestinian musical heritage. Under the label, he plans to digitize and reissue other cassette tapes from his collection, and build a true archive of forgotten Palestinian music. This episode was produced by Nadine Shakid and edited by me, Dana Balut. Fact-checking was by Dina Sabri and sound design and mixing by Nadine Shakid, Alex Atak, and Munzir Al-Hashim. Our team also includes Zena Duidar. A huge thanks to Mu'min Suitat who dedicated so many hours of his time to this episode and to Hanan Awad. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Take care, stay safe. Bye.